Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm making another podcast because, you know, why not? This time, I'm going to have a co-host, and they will introduce themselves. Hopefully, I won't have to. So, let's get into it. It's time to find a co-host. Oh, God, okay, so it's recording already. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, introduce yourself. Hi. What's your name? Kenny. What do you like? <laughs> <laughs> you doing uh, has to get this, I, I have to say. Thank you, I was trying really hard, you know? My script, oh, it's so long. My script just consists of hi. Yeah, um, we we don't do scripting here, so it's fine. <laughs> Scripting's for people who are organized, and we are the opposite of that. Yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, that's I guess that's all the information we need. This is Kenny. This is my date thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna... Our first topic is going to be one that Kenny is very passionate about as a you will ramble forever about it is mainly because i have no life it is theories about the game called arc arc is a survival game similar to minecraft but not at all it's you can basically you build your own shelter you tame dinosaurs and you cry a lot because you lose everything. <laughs> yeah, so, pretty much. That about sums it up. So the main allure of this game usually is the multiplayer aspect and the quote-unquote hardcore survival rules of the game. Lots of crying. Uh, lots of dedication. And a good sense of accomplishment when you actually get something started. Um, the, the other allure to this game is the story. Now, the story isn't really, you know, developed by, I mean, okay, I'm wrong. It is developed by the developers, but you have to piece it together yourself, really, by finding notes on the ground and such like that. So, Kenny, I know you have your theories about the game. So can you give us a little bit of a rundown of what exactly the game is? What the game is? Like what is it about? Uh well, it's story mode or the basic single player mode is you get dropped onto an island with nothing but yourself. Um everything's kind of playing against you and you really just have to survive. So there are, like previously said, um, explorer notes on the ground, which can give you a little bit of backstory and kind of teach you a little bit about why you're there, what you're doing. And also, as you go throughout the game and like conquer different dinosaurs, tame them, things like that, you do get dossiers of each dinosaur to learn more about them and the role they play for you. Yeah, I mean... I was very, very fucking, like, straightforward. I'm proud of you. Thanks. I try hard. 
So one of the, I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, you're doing better than I did. So the first theory that was ever discussed was why the fuck are you on the ark? <laughs> Now, one theory that was brought to my attention by various videos and this nerd that we are currently talking about is... You're welcome. Hey, you called me a dork, so it's only fair. Uh, So, it is that there is this, if I'm not wrong, and correct me if I am wrong, Kenny, because I know Mm -hmm. I'll probably get this wrong, but (laughs) when you complete all three boss fights on the island which is the first map that you start on. There is this chamber on the side of a volcano. I forget if the volcano has a name or not. It's the Tech Cave. But yeah, does the... I mean, I meant does the volcano have a name? Probably not, but... Uh, No, it's just the volcano. It's just lava death. Um, Yes. Metal metal and lava and death. Uh, But besides that, okay. So there's a cave that is filled with all this really advanced technology as compared to what you have around you. Um, very out of place from dinosaurs and shit. Um, but as you proceed further, you get to a console, if I'm right, right? Yeah. That basically explains that there are these... Uh, what are they? Homo dose... Uh, beings that are going extinct practically. They're endangered. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's what the the hologram says. Endangered. Endangered. Well, I mean... Yes. Extinction. Yeah. But, um, so that's where all, like, the theories kind of stem from, is from that bit of information. Uh, you, of course, collect, like, notes along the way. Um, some of them, you know, provide plot line. Others just provide recipes that are very useful. Now, also, like, quickly, the main thing with the difference between the notes and once you're at the tech cave and kind of getting that bit of information about, like, these other people... The notes are personal experiences from these people who are at the same place as you and have no clue what's going on. So none of the notes are people saying like, oh, it's because of blah, blah, blah that we are here. It's people like, oh, like I'm hella confused and like maybe this is playing into it. Or people when they kind of advance and go to like the next area like Scorched Earth, their experience of how they got there. Um, not so much as who's doing it. So all of that is more up to personal interpretation until the final expansion comes out. Um, but the notes are more personal experiences versus actual we answers. Probably, we should probably focus on rumors surrounding the island first as to not like... Yeah, no, I'm just saying that like the notes in themselves aren't answers. It's just their experience. I was just saying that to how it's all together, not they're telling us what it is. There's, there's Rockwell. Uh, I keep forgetting the Asian girl's name. May. And Helena, right? Yeah. I, you know what's funny is I was the first one to discover this game, and then I eventually showed Kenny after prodding him to play it with me so many times, and he finally game shared it on Xbox. And I still know way less than him 
on this game because he's devoted so much time to it. So I'm going to sound really ignorant during this podcast. <laughs> no. So, but, so, holy shit, got to plug in my shit first. That would be a good idea. True. But, so, one of the main characters, Rockwell, he is a, sci- not a scientist, but, no, yeah, he's a scientist, right? He is, yeah, he's a scientist. And Helena's just kind of a person, right? Yes, Helena's just, Helena would be like our today's people. She would be from about our time, the 20th, 21st century. Uh, fuck, why do I keep forgetting her name? Mayin. Mayin, okay. I'm going to try and remember that so I don't seem stupid. Um, <laughs> Mayin is like from feudal Japan. More or less. And she's been in the arc for the longest time, right? Yes. So she is well, the first the first encounter is Rockwell and Helena first, right? They met up. And yes then... and no. Mei Yin was the first person that we get related like not like blood related but like um like related to somebody because she is known for being like the beast queen and taming things so nobody met her but she's the first person that we get introduced from another person's side okay i mean that's what i was kind of saying i was i was wondering if she was the first person that Rockwell met or if Rockwell and Helena met up first or Helena and Rockwell met physically first. Did did, did they like spawn in the same? I don't know. I don't No know. no. No, they met up. Oh, okay. So they they appeared at different points. Like Yeah. Not... There's no solid timeline really as to when there's another person too who I am the worst because I can never remember his name. He's an asshole. Um, the Roman guy, can't remember his name, he's pointless, I don't give a shit. Uh, him, Helena, Mayan, and Rockwell all spawned in at different times, but there's no solid timeline as to who was first and, like, who was last. There's no solid proof there. It's, it's only really, it's only really a, a guess that mm-hmm. Mayan was the first in, mainly because she came from a farther time period than Rockwell and Helena, and because she was further established than they were. Yeah, she had, you know, kind of her shit together, and she was already advancing. She had practically an army of Mm -hmm. fucking raptors, and, you know, nobody really wanted to fuck with her. Mm -hmm. So, that brings about my first conspiracy, if it's even called that. (laughs) Um, My first theory, that's a better word, but was the Ark populated before the appearance of Mei Yin is my question. So, like, elaborate. Do do you think, because um, wrong, which I probably am, <laughs> uh, Mei Yin had an army of other survivors, right? No, Mei Yin was always by herself. It was her and her raptors. Oh, so that was okay. That was that was uh, Julius Caesar, cunt, right? 
Yeah, he was the one who started up a big tribe and just wanted to conquer everybody and everything. Um, Megan was always off by herself with her raptors. And um, Helena and Rockwell were never discussed to be in a tribe. Um, Rockwell was more the peacekeeper and kind of just worked with people on the side just to kind of get where he wanted to be. And Helena more was just kind of solo, kind of everybody's friend type of thing. Yeah, but they were they were pretty much partnered throughout their entire experience. Helena and Rockwell? Yeah. Yeah, they met up because Helena obviously was doing research on the dinosaurs. Rockwell was doing research on the plant uh, life and things like that, which is why we have all the so Rockwell they recipes. They from each other, more or less. Yes. They, they kind of teamed up just because they were the two science-y people and worked well together. Yeah, as, as a side note... Um, Rockwell and Helena are going to be the only two completely consistent characters um, mm-hmm. that are going to be brought up. Uh, Mei Yin appears a few times, but only really in passing, besides on the island. That's where she really thrived. Mei Yin comes back hard in the um, in aberration, but if we're not going that far, then save save that for, for soon. But um. Fuck, what was I going on about? Wow, this is why I should write a fucking script. We're not scripted here. <laughs> Shut up. But Obviously. Uh, shit balls. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. So that means that the island must have not been populated before Mayan's appearance. Like it was uh created or something before Mayan got there, but she was the first one to be on there. See, now I'm going to kind of challenge that and say that I'm not even sure that's a val- like a valid theory and not trying to get into anything further, but further down the line, we do meet more people that we never met in the island. So she may not have been the first. She just may have been the first on the island for notes. Oh, yeah. that I mean, I guess that, 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 that makes sense. Now, whether uh, that's true or not, obviously, it's all like, you know personal interpretation but theory mm-hmm. which i mean is one of the allure for the the yeah. story in the game is because you can pretty much make make of it as you will mm-hmm. but it's obvious that when we come into the world it's after the events of them yes um which is you know really odd that we don't I'm like I'm like wondering how far behind them we are because we see little to no uh, you know signs that they were there besides like the ruins and stuff yeah I would definitely say we are hun- like at least a hundred to hundreds of years behind them based on the containers and things that we find are this is gonna Notes get in and the area in which they are in. Getting, going down the line, this is gonna get a little bit confusing though, and and you guys listening will find that out. But I mean, we'll we'll save that because I'm trying not to hop too far ahead. Mm-hmm. Yep. But um, so the second thing that really comes out of the island is what role Mei Yin played for Rockwell and Helena. So they 
believed that she was the first person to be able to tame one of these dinosaurs. She subsequently taught them, I think. Although, I mean, I'm probably wrong because I think I remember hearing something that either you said or I heard from a video that she was very secretive in her ways about how she tamed her dinosaurs. Yes. So, yes, she didn't, like, share the secret or anything. No. That's why Helena tried to become closer to Mayin, but never really succeeded in that, like, bond or that friendship. Just because Mayin wanted to be so, like, personal, like, just a one-man show. And, and what's what's funny is there there must have been a wicked language barrier there. You'd think. And, yeah, but it seems like they communicated very well. But then you also have to, like, I mean, I, I realize that it's a video game, and, you know, we're going to have, like... Yeah, but if they're, they're going to make a plot like this, I mean, they have to expect arguments like this. Yes, but when you get the notes, unless you speak many languages, um, you have to have them transcribed, like, through other people on forums and such. All of Mayan's notes are not in English. They are all in... Yeah, they're, all in ja- they're on, like, Japanese, like, feudal... Yeah. Exactly. So that language barrier had to play a role because it's not like they're pre-translating everything into English for us. You have to do it yourself. This this randomly popped in my head. I remember when I was looking at one of Mei Yin's um, fucking uh, notes. Uh, of course, I can't read Japanese that well. Uh, I only take Duolingo courses on how to partially read hiragana <laughs> i only know how to say like alcohol wow you're going places hell yeah that's all i need to know <laughs> but any hoodles so in one of her uh notes there was pictures of other survivors and they didn't they didn't look to be helena and uh rockwell mainly because they had swords, shields. They looked more Roman-like. So this leads me to believe that the Kuntish version of Julius Caesar made contact with her first. Um. So they did meet. Um. He was trying to kind of did overthrow they, her and take her animals. Did they meet in the island or like? Yes. Was it described in? It was. It was probably described in one of her notes. I mean, I didn't really pay close attention to hers because I I can't read them. Yeah. Um. If like this is for you or for anybody else who may be curious, um, all of the notes on the Arc Wiki are all transcribed into English. So if you ever wanted to go through and read them all, they are all there. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. I mean. They're not just gonna like throw notes at you and not give you any translation, but well, I mean, they... they don't transcribe them. All of like us have transcribed them. You have to, you have to wait for someone else to write it exactly. for you. Some weeaboo to pop up, right? Uh, but so, I mean, I guess is there anything else that's really of notability about the island? I mean, and like, honestly, how- I don't think so. I think really where you start getting in meat and bones is it in the expansions. Um, one question that I had that I never got an answer for, I'm completely ignorant about this. How did the 
three monsters come into the arc? Why are they there? How'd they get there? Do you have any clue? Um, there's no like the bosses and such. Yeah, like the dragon. There's the nothing dra- on that, like anywhere. I'm pretty sure that's all if you get into like when you're talking and I won't really go into it because obviously we're not there yet but it all more falls into end game why we're on the arc type of thing and who's controlling it all why we're there for being tested and all that I think is really where that kind of plays in which is the same thing why are there dinosaurs on an island in modern day people you know like it just all kind of plays into why personal reason why you think that you are there in the first place so, yeah, my, my guess was originally after the whole homodose thing um, was those are basically fitness tests to see if you're ready to move on to, like, the next arc or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's it's really all just based on they don't want to go extinct. Yeah, yeah, they're, I, I feel like it's like a they're trying to breed stronger humans. Exactly. And I mean, kind of going back to where we were talking about the tech cave, when you walk into the tech cave, and, and this is like the final boss of the island, um, there are three different things. So there's like a one where you stop and it's a hologram of like a dinosaur and it shows like Pangea, like, um, like, you know, Jurassic, how the world would have looked then. Then you go a little bit further and it talks about hu- like a humanoid or um, homo sapien. There we go. And it shows a picture of, like, a human hologram, and it shows our current day Earth, and you go a little further, and then there's that homo dose um, hologram, which is a little bit more faded out and kind of wispy than the um, homo sapien one, and it says they're extinct, and the world is also more kind of broken up into pieces, like, as if it would have been well into the future. So, my thing with that is, is the fact that they are extinct and or everything else is extinct and they are endangered is they're just trying to save themselves. That's, that's really, I think one of the biggest theories and the theory that I would probably say as the most quote unquote proof for it. Yeah. The, the whole extinction part, I mean, it seems like it's the more plausible one rather than, you know, aliens. But I would also like to really uh, quickly point in that this is wild card. Really, they'll do anything. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's why they 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 have a a, a reputation being really lazy. True. I mean, because we we were expecting uh, an expansion out, which was uh, one of the like non necessary one of the non-story related ones. Um, and we didn't get it for months after they announced, like, they, they had said it was going to come out. So, I believe they made an open-ended story, quote-unquote, to avoid having to fill in plot holes, because everybody else would do that for them. I but, feel like a lot of it, I feel like even when we get our final expansion, which is coming, I, I mean, it's wild cards, so they say it's coming, this spring, but it's probably going to be this winter. I thought it was supposed to come in March. This spring, yeah. Like, March, April, May, that general area is when we're supposed to get it. It says spring, but again, we won't get it until, like, December. But, 
I feel like even when we get this final expansion, we will not have a solid story as to why or who. It will be a little bit more filler, like we've gotten in with the other expansions and things like that. A little bit more filler to maybe solidify some different things, but never fully give you that hard truth, The what you want. It's all going to be open interpretation, I feel. I really wish that, I mean, I really wish and hope that this podcast blows up enough that we can get somebody from Wildcard on here to talk about the game. That'd be really I would cry. I'd I'd be extremely happy. I mean, I'll I'd take back everything I said about them. Oh no. I mean, you know the people working at Wildcard have to sit there and kind of be laughing. I mean, you go on like their Twitter, their forum posts, things like that, and it's people just like going at it and you know they have to be sitting behind their desks like fucking laughing. Like Oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> but I mean I, I feel like okay, it's not even that they, they don't care about their game. It's that they're not smart with how they go about things. I feel like, like they're not they, funded enough. Yeah, and they also, I mean, which is why they released that expansion, the Scorched Earth expansion so early, especially on PC. On PC, the game was still in open beta. Like, it wasn't even fully finished yet. And they released an expansion for it, and everybody was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you <laughs> We're, we're paying, not only did we pay you 30 fucking dollars for an unfinished game, but now we're going to pay another $30 to get another unfinished part of the game for a game that's not even done yet. See, <laughs> and I think that's where a lot of people, and, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, I was not there for the beginning of this. I came in quite late. The game was released for console, I believe in September, if I'm not wrong. Um, and I began playing October, I want to say. It was right after the release on console. And when I started playing, like, obviously it wasn't in beta anymore. It was, the expansion Scorchers was already out. So I never really experienced any of that, like, first come, like, hatred towards them. But I can honestly see both sides of the argument where, yeah, if I pay money, for a game, and I'm when I pay money into it, I'm expecting it to not be complete if it's not complete. But then for them to throw something else at me and be like, oh, pay for this too, I'd be like, the fuck, bro? But at the same time, you understand wild cards point that, hey, either we need to do this, or you guys will never have a finished game. So, like, you really have to see both sides of that argument to, like, kind of cancel each other out. And in all honesty, the Scorch... Like, okay, so the game came out... I'm going to give a little bit of backstory. The game came out on PC around late 2014, early 2015. Um, It came out on console late 2016. Um, And got fully released last year. It got... Just got completely finished last year. Yeah, last year, September. Um, so 2015, 2016, the, those, those two years, um, were about the time that Wildcard was going through financial troubles because their game was a lot bigger than they expected. And server costs were fucking insane. (laughs) They weren't, frankly, making enough money, which is what caused them to create the Scorched Earth expansion. And this is where it starts to irk me, 
is you can tell where they started the expansion by how good the story plot, the, the plot line was in that part of the expansion. When you start finding the notes, you can see them start really bad and really shitty. And then you can see them progressively start getting like more detailed. Just me. Oh no, you you see the progression. Um, not only in notes, but in just overall gameplay. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of. Uh, I mean, because I, I of course, I've had the experience of playing the expansion in its early stages, and it was, it was real bad. <laughs> it was the the first weapon that they newly introduced was the boomerang and it's it's a very 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 useful beginner tool that if you want to knock out things quickly without you know making tranquilizer arrows and stuff like that and it deals minimal damage um, but when the expansion first came out you first Pardon? You were like swishing things around. But Oh sorry. My bad. It's all good. It's all good. But so where was I? Oh yeah. Um so the boomerang wouldn't hit its target half the time. And then as the time goes on, I mean it eventually got better, but I mean I feel like they really rushed the expansion back onto the topic of story. Mainly because a lot of the plot was was very Swiss cheese from the island. But um, the, the three people that were on Scorched Earth was Helena, Rockwell, which, again, I said are the two consistents. Um, and the third one was the Roman cunt, right? The Scorched Earth gets different. Because... We keep Helena and Rockwell, who went, who finished the island together, but got split up in the, like, transfer process. We gain two more, quote-unquote, main character people, and everybody else at that point is very background. You never hear really anything from them, except for, like, maybe a little bit in passing. Yeah, Mayan Mayan didn't go with them, even though Rockwell and Helena had offered for her to go, right? Correct. Um, but yeah, she ended up staying back in the island, which eventually changes because you start hearing her pop up in story every so often. Yeah, we get her back. Uh, she just came at a different yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, she eventually got done with what she needed to get done on the island. Um, but the Roman guy was introduced in this expansion and one other person, right? No, the Roman guy's not a part of this one. Oh, oh wait, I'm totally off. No, then. the pe- okay, so the people that we have in Scorched Earth, and I'm I'm not gonna remember their names, so I apologize. We have Mayan and Rockwell. We have a girl who can tame the wyverns, and we have an Egyptian princess, and we have a thief. Yeah, the, the I didn't know there were so many. Fuck, I didn't. I didn't play through a lot of the Scorched Earth expansion because it pisses me off. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't really get much of a chance. <sighs> uh, but 
the biggest story arc of this expansion um, has to be what goes on with the Egyptian priestess. Like, she's one of the big focuses, I feel. I feel she is our biggest focus of all of Scorched Earth, and that's why most of the things, the, like, artifacts, or not artifacts, the, um, like, note containers are all of, like, an Egyptian manner. Yeah, yeah. And there isn't it written in hieroglyphs? Uh, yes, well? most of them. But, I mean, which must have been really fucking hard to transcribe. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you need to be like a fucking archaeology major. <laughs> uh, that's besides the point. Uh, so basically, her deal is she believes that the Ark is ran by the gods, right? Yes, she worships the Arks and the Obelisks. Yeah, like, like they're gods. And so the biggest plot arc. And I, I really hope you guys aren't listening to this if you guys are hoping to, you know, look for the story yourself. Mm. We're exposing a lot. But her biggest her biggest arc, like character arc was uh, Rockwell and Helena accidentally exposing the arc for what it is. Uh, mm, see, yes, n- mm. Because they don't don't they end up defeating like the main the main guys of that that arc, and she doesn't know what to worship anymore. Like she she figured out the arc isn't like this, this godly entity. No. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, can I? I'm gonna like hit spoilers here. So again, I apologize for not knowing the names, but just kind of stick with me for a second. So the Egyptian got uh the Egyptian woman meets this this thief and his friend are going and kind of robbing tribes and the thief and his friend go to try to rob this tribe but he realizes once he gets there that he no longer has to be this thief he can be like a higher better person. So he ends up meeting with the priest they you know they get along they're friends whatever and he ends up becoming like a like a equivalent of like a cop a bodyguard type of thing for them and so everything's kind of hunky-dory for a while until, like, a bunch of mantis come and attack their, like, city. And they kind of, they make it out of the attack, and, you know, they've lost some people and everything. And her, her faith in the gods that she feels, like, the Ark, her faith is starting to kind of waver a little bit. But she still is strong. She's like, okay, like, the gods, you know, they did this for a reason. There's a reason. They're not being, like, unnecessarily cruel. And it continues on. A while later, you go down the road and you find, you know, more notes, whatever. And um, wyverns come in and just destroy everything. And it's just really, like, bad destruction. And they have to flee. So her and this now man that she loves, this, like, cop, you know, whatever, as he is now, flee. And they run off. And they kind of join a smaller tribe. And they kind of live their life there. Now, at this point, her faith is, like, really low. She's like, dude, like, what the hell's going on? Like, I don't get this. Like, why are the gods mad at me? And the little tribe that she's in now gets attacked. And, spoiler alert, the guy that she loves dies. And she fucking loses it. Now she's 
out for blood. She hates everything. She has no more faith. Everything's lost in her. Um, she had never used a weapon before in her life, and her boyfriend um, had taught her how to use a gun for, like, emergency situations. She went out with the gun, and, like, like the last thing we hear of her is her going out to try to, like, just fuck everything up. So, I mean, her faith wasn't... She, her, she had met Helena, but it wasn't... They never stuck around together. They were just kind of, like, passing, like, oh, hi, like, you know, what up? And then Helena was off again to go meet with the girl who tamed wyverns. Their story was never really linked. Um, her faith was just lost due to, like, the devastation. Okay, so Helena went off with the girl who tamed the wyverns. What's, what's her deal? I mean, I didn't really look a lot of the story for Scorch because, again, like I said, it fucking pissed me off before I got a chance <laughs> to think. But So the girl with the wyverns? Yeah. So, the first attack, um, I believe it was the first one, on the the tribe with the uh, Egyptian woman, the mantis attack, the girl with the wyverns had come in with her wyverns, pardon me, and, like, kind of helped out. She killed off a bunch of the mantis, everything like that. At that point, during that attack, Helena was at that tribe she was there with them for a little bit. So Helena had obviously witnessed this woman coming with these wyverns and, you know, you know, fuck shit up. Like, she was helping. And Helena was at that point very intrigued because she had been making the dossiers about all the animals on the Ark and was now starting on the animals on Scorched Earth. Yeah, so, and this was, like, the first, like, mystical animal she had really found. Besides, like, she already knew, like, the dragon existed and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But... but this was the first she saw of somebody taming um, like that big of a beast, you know? Yeah. So Helena had then this woman, and if you play Scorched Earth, there is actually uh, out in the middle of the desert, there's like an arena type of area, and that's that's where this woman lived. Um, and Helena had actually gone and kind of like been like quote unquote stalking the woman, trying to see the behavior of the wyverns and the behavior of her. And eventually the woman found out about Helena and like kind of captured her and brought her in. It was nothing like mean or anything. She was just like, why are you doing this? And Helena had explained herself and everything was fine after that. They never really fought or anything like that. They actually kind of became friends and kind of helped each other out. Um, the woman helped Helena learn about the wyverns and kind of their habits, I guess. And the woman helped um, Helena find Rockwell down the line as well. So they kind of, they, she never had a huge story line except for just kind of being a helping hand. Um, but we never really learn much of anything about her. Okay, so basically, I mean, she's important, but not like... She's just a puzzle piece character. She kind of helps everything fit back together. Yeah, yeah. And so where... And what is Rockwell doing during this time? Like, so no vegetation to study. (laughs) So actually, at the time, um, Rockwell was studying like the same thing, kind of figuring out recipes and such, and doing his like sciencey shit. But Rockwell actually in um, caves underground had found elementium ore and was beginning to research it. And begin tests and things like that on the ore. So that's kind of what he was doing at that time. And remember this, my children who are listening, uh, that 
the, the elementium is going to be extremely fucking important as the plot thickens. Oh, yes. But, so, from here on, they eventually find their way out of Scorched Earth. How does that happen? Um, pretty much the same way as on the island. They just kind of, they knew that there was things that they needed to progress. Um, obviously, like, in the in the island, Rockwell had had these tribes of people go and fetch him the artifacts, and eventually the tribes were kind of like, F this, like, I'm out, I'm not doing your shit for you, go do it yourself. So Rockwell knew that, you know, he still had to do this to kind of get to where he wanted to be, and, um... That's really what happened. Eventually, though, during the storyline of Scorched Earth, we kind of lose um, them for a little bit. They kind of... It, it, it doesn't really specify if they have split up, like if they've parted ways, or if we're just kind of singularly focusing on each person. But near the end of Scorched Earth, you kind of start losing them being together and get more of them being apart. So... Again, like I said, it's kind of fuzzy as to where they all were together. By them, you mean Helena and Rockwell, right? Yes, correct. Um, so after this comes the really interesting uh, part of the plot line. Aberration, the fucking hardest DLC out of all of them. I would just wait till Extinction. I don't want to wait. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> Thank you. But you know way more on aberration than I do. But I will explain what I know. So, basically, Rockwell, after him and Helena end up exiting the Scorched Earth Arc, aberration, which is this huge underground, like, mushroom forest and you know glowy shit and they have the same situation as they did before they were split up yada 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 they were used to this by now but Rockwell um, while he was wandering he found more element he found a lot more of it He, he, he found if, and correct me if I'm wrong, he believes he found where Element derives, right? Um, no. Not, okay, not exactly. He had just found copious amounts of liquid Elementium and solid Elementium ore. Um, but I think, I mean, he never really said, this is where this comes from. I think it's just kind of this it, is here because of the broken arc type of thing. But yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention that. There's a purple arc, which sparks the theory that all the arcs are made out of this material called element. Um, but there, there's a mysterious fourth arc because there's notoriously been three arcs consistently throughout every single arc expansion. I mean, those being fucking the island and scorched and all the unofficials um which 
I mean, it, it was it was weird to find out that there was a mysterious fourth arc, which I mean happened to be purple, and the color of element is purple. So I mean, only kind of made sense. Uh, but from that broken arc, he believes that the element came came from that or something along those lines, like Kenny had said. Um, and he becomes absolutely obsessed with element. Like it takes over all of his time, and he, he's obsessed with experimenting with it. Didn't he experiment on other people in different tribes? Right? He no, he he had experimented on different things. He experimented on different um, creatures. Yeah, that's what I that's what I was I, I meant to say that instead of tribesmen because I mean, but this is where the plot takes a turn. Rockwell eventually uses it on himself, right? Yes. He does so much of it that he mutates and becomes this big fucking horrible element in being. Like he doesn't look like himself, sound like himself, or anything. He's basically like the. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the physical embodiment of, of just, I mean, the corrupt. The, the corruption that the element has over now very quickly i want to like interject for just a quick second um rockwell at the time of him like injecting himself with the liquid elementium knew the effects that it had had on creatures he had now i don't remember exactly what it was that he injected but he had injected a creature with the elementium to test the effects on it and it ended up mutating and becoming so large and strong that he and um, Mayen, there was another girl who ended up like kind of yeah, having a fling like- with Mayen and Helena all had to group together to kill because this thing was so damn strong. So he yeah. knew the effects to a degree. He knew the effects it had on a living thing, just not so much a living human. So he knew something to that extent was going to happen. Yeah, he, he threw himself into it knowing knowing well what he was doing. I do highly um, apologize if you can hear my brother. <laughs> I, I mean, it isn't it isn't super loud from what I can hear. So okay, yeah, he he's not happy uh, about bedtime. Yeah, I I mean, who who is that age? Honestly, someone tells I, me I, it's I, bedtime and I'm like, oh hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> bedtime now, right? It's a privilege. <laughs> Baptized for a different part of the podcast. <laughs> so, the, this, this, of course, brings about the fact that Helena and the other survivors of that time figure out that Rockwell's corrupted, correct? Um, they kind of lose Rockwell for a while. So, nobody really knows that Rockwell's going to do it to himself. It's, it's yeah, never... Eventually, find out that he he did it to himself. I mean, it would be hard to miss him. <laughs> um. Yes and no. They do figure it out, but they don't figure it out like in a good. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Like they don't figure it out until end game. Well, yeah. I mean, but what what what's really weird is okay. So where the fuck are they? Because when we get there, Rockwell is still alive and, well, alive. I was going to say alive and well, but he's not well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
but he's still he's still alive. So it makes me question where the fuck they went. They must have. I mean, and this this is because I, I mean, I, and I forgot to men- mention this when I was explaining what the biome looked like because I totally explained it like a retard. <laughs> Excuse my language, but uh, they there there's a there's a top part of aberration that is just one giant fucking desert. It's the surface. And it's one like giant fucking desert filled with radiation and just radiation. And you, you, you can't really go up there unless you have a hazard suit. And it, it has element up there if I'm correct, right? No, the element is the deepest point underground. Oh, no, it has like the charge thing. Yeah, it has it has hypercharge nodes above ground. Also, there's like mass amounts of metal, and all obelisks are above ground on that surface area as well. Which I mean makes sense because the, the fourth obelisk was sank. Mm-hmm. But it's still um, above above ground. You still can't uh, you can't access it from the underneath area. But that brings about the question: How did that arc sink? Like, uh, what what could have caused it to do that? Like, obviously, it was sunk before Rockwell and everybody else had showed up. See, so we're saying, why is the arc broken? Yeah, why why did it why did it break and why is it like underground pieces? I was gonna go with almost the most basic answer that's possible because it's one that I feel like has a decent amount of quote unquote proof. Is when you are above ground or whatever, you see these like chunks around it, and um, it seems as though like the obelisk was hit by something like a meteor, a flying rock, something like that, which broke it. Um, you then get into the point that one of the obelisks um, has like a bunch of metal surrounding it, almost as though it was repaired. And um, you hear in, and I can't remember whose notes it's in, it's in one of the girls, they talk about having to fix the obelisk because the Ark was kind of in danger and they had to fix it. So I believe like that's kind of, and that's that more sunk um, Ark that has all that metal around it. So I think the reason that that is that way is because the girls had to fix it. And I just believe that the Ark is broken because something kind of flew into it. I'm not sure. And it could possibly have more to do with kind of everything, but I don't think it's going to have a, a major role. What's, what's odd is because the biggest theory that's out right now as to what the arcs are, mainly because of the transcendence uh, thing, it, it shows you it shows like a circle of all the arcs, right? Yeah, when you... Now, the final expansion, quickly hitting on it, um, is Earth. I'm dead set. It's fucking Earth. We all know it. Well, yeah. I mean, it only makes sense. Yes, but to get to the final expansion, because, of course, once you ascend, you do get, like, a cutscene, for those of you who don't know. Um, you get this cutscene that kind of shows you ascending to the next arc. Well, in this cutscene, it does, it takes you through, like, a portal, and the obelisks on all of the healthy arcs are green, red, and blue. And the portals that go through are green, red, blue, and then there's an orange one. So, I mean, 
I'm not sure if you have any theories on that, but uh, do you have any theories as to why there's an orange portal, or do you think it's just they needed another one? I mean, uh, the the orange portal, my, my guess, if I had to have a theory on it, would be that, I mean, I guess it's... Uh, you know, actually, you're probably right. I probably there probably just needed to be another one that they need to throw in there, so they just put orange. Mm-hmm. But I'm probably dead ass wrong. <laughs> but, um, fuck. What was I this has happened like twelve times throughout this fucking discussion that I forgot. Because one I was of us thinking. gets a point, and then we run off on that point before we can get back to our previous. <laughs> good podcast fuck scripts okay scripts are for pussies i think scripts are useful for if you run out of something on a topic to lead into a next topic but during a discussion there's no way you're gonna script it yeah yeah. you can't just guess what you're gonna say like like, you know yeah so i mean well i guess we can just possibly leave it at that (laughs) i mean the new expansion is supposedly supposed to come out spring. Uh, hopefully, Wildcard keeps their word for that. They left it really open ended. They didn't leave a date. They just said springtime. So, unless they did give a date, did they give the date? No, just spring twenty eighteen. Yeah, so they, they they did a smart. Yeah, and just said springtime because they don't want to get yelled at by angry fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when that new expansions come, span ah, fuck, that new expansion comes out. You bet your ass that we are going to be on that shit, and we're going to be probably back with another podcast trying to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, I'd have money enough to pay for it and not leech off of Kenny here. I got that season pass. <laughs> yeah, Kenny blew a hundred dollars to get the, the the box set because it was you like know, 180, but you know who's counting? Kenny's Kenny. So. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Kenny, for talking about this with me. Mm-hmm. And our next segment is going to be coming up in just a second. We're going to be talking about an artist that we very much enjoy, amongst other musical topics. We are going to be talking about Hobo Johnson. I will call you back for that because I want to segment this recording. So, Gotcha. All right. Well, see you in like a couple seconds. Now, before I get into the talk about this artist um, and the other songs that we're going to cover, I'm going to throw in a little bit of a preview and, you know, let you guys uh, know what uh, you're hopping into here. So let's get into that. Hey, welcome back. Well, hello there. So this next segment is about music because who doesn't like music more specifically we're going to be talking about an artist that is on the come up right now his name is hobo johnson 
Kenny is the one who introduced me to him, and ever since I heard him, I have loved every single song he's put out. So, Kenny, would you mind explaining who exactly Hobo Johnson is? Um, okay. <laughs> Hobo Johnson is kind of, like you said, an upcoming artist. Um, kind of hits under more rap slash, like, poetry type of music. Um, if you ever heard of, like, bands like Law Dispute... Um, he hits more of that kind of genre. Um, he, <laughs> he definitely, I think, is one who talks more about kind of quote unquote real topics and things that are more kind of personal to him. Um, but I feel like a lot of people can also kind of relate to them in the same way. Yeah, he he has a, a lot of uh, very hard hitting songs. Uh, one that I'd like to specifically bring up is Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. That, that song, it it hits very hard. <laughs> um, it draws you in straight from the beginning because his intro is very like when when Kenny had first shown me that that was the first song I ever heard by him. I not like I didn't listen to Peach Scones until after because I didn't click on the link yet that you sent me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the first song that introduced me to him. And when I heard it, I immediately thought, oh, this is going to be another band like, or like group, like run the jewels or like death grips or something, because it was like very like experimental sounding from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But then like suddenly it was like, oh shit, I'm finna cry boy. (laughs) Yeah, definitely a lot of them are kind of more. I don't want to say, like, tearjerkers, but they're just topics that are a lot more hard-hitting than a lot of other, I guess, artists today. Yeah, and he he's very, um, like, he, he labels himself in some of his songs as a rapper. Um, but I don't, I don't see him as a rapper. I don't know. He's, he seems like something totally different and i wish i could have played a a preview for you guys that are listening um but i couldn't find any of his music on spotify uh shout out to him on soundcloud look up quick interjection he has music on spotify yeah i couldn't i mean i couldn't find it on here uh Possibly not, yeah, but I'm just just for anybody who like wants to listen yeah yeah it's uh, it's on spotify uh, it's on SoundCloud, but the easiest way to find all of his music is on SoundCloud. Yep, or YouTube. I mean, that's also easy. He has his own yeah. YouTube channel um, and you can, uploads uh, all of his content there as well. You can you can watch him uh, live perform uh, Peach Scones and his new music video that dropped for that song as well. Yep, is very interesting <laughs> to say. <laughs> yes, for sure. It it he's. He, in my opinion, is like the Michael Sierra of rap. Like he's very, he's very kind of different out there. Doesn't awkward. so much try to, yeah. He's very awkward. Very like not. He's not arrogant. Like, like he he plays off as such like a nerd. Yes. Yes. Like, for there's, sure. one, there's one song called uh, Mario and Link. Mm-hmm. And. I immediately related to that song because it's about, I mean, constantly striving to get the girl, but like never quite being there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
that's that's a problem I've had in my life. <laughs> so, I mean, he he's very much there for you to relate to him, mm-hmm. and that brings me on to a topic of how music has changed, especially in the rap scene, to be more emotion inclusive. And I feel like this mostly started with the mainstream, uh, you know, arrival of Suicide Boys in 2016 with their uh, their Heels album, especially. I mean, I know, Kenny, you're not too big on them. I My liking has grown but they're definitely they're not in my top but their heels album and their dime their song diamonds um they all were very emotional songs but they had the draw of them being emotional over like a trap beat and that really brought a new um demographic into rap music, uh, which allowed a lot more people to relate and be forward with their feelings, which I think is very uh, important, especially in that scene of music, because it's not something that's often portrayed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and even in other parts of music, I mean, I guess it isn't really portrayed that well. Uh, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to come off as like a bad person or something, but stereotypically if you talk to someone who never listened to rap music or is you know kind of brought up a bit differently you think of rap music more as like focusing around like a black population and i think like a lot of artists now are kind of like people are since they're kind of becoming more mainstream people are sort of like hearing them on the radio or hearing a lot of people talk about them and then they kind of get more drawn into that i don't know type of music i think there's a lot more realization that it isn't just like ghetto music like you know i don't want to sound like a bad person when i'm saying that but like a lot of stereotypes are falling now that more rappers and things yeah. are kind of blowing okay. up a little bit more i was i was feeling really iffy about that because i was trying to go about it in the least like racist sounding way like in no way i'm trying to make it sound that way but stereotypically a lot of people beforehand had thought that way and 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 i mean that that opens up to a whole a whole nother issue where like People who are African American, a lot of people are just like, like they 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 push their emotions to the side, which, with all these new artists, even like and and then like, even in the African American community, of course I'm not I'm not them, so like I can't speak for them, but like in my own personal experience, I've noticed that a lot more people of color are able to come out with their emotions and have this platform to talk about how they feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. And it, it blasts stereotype barriers. Like, yeah, that's what I'm kind of getting at is that yeah. a lot of people are now realizing that the stereotype isn't true and that there is a lot more, like more depth to the type of music, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, this also is brought upon, other issues that I want to bring up uh, after in the world of music, but 
Um, the, the main the main quote that really sums up what people think of rap music is what Post Malone said. And that is, if you are coming looking for emotion, do not go to rap music. And mm-hmm. I feel like that concept has changed a lot with the, you know, come up of Lil, like people like Lil Peep, um, Young Lean that I covered in a previous podcast. I was going to bring up the fact of Little Peep um, just for the fact that like a lot of people kind of maybe didn't even know the whole kind of genre of music or anything like that and you know bless his soul once he died a lot of people were like I guess kind of intrigued more or it got a lot of publicity into the type of music and I feel like a lot of people kind of discovered it that way and I mean of course it's an awful way to hear about that kind of music but i feel like also having it be from him and people like oh who's this guy who passed away and they look him up and this this like raw kind of more emotional type of music as well that they're like oh okay well i like this sound let's see who else kind of sounds like this stuff like that yeah and it it brought about it brought about like a whole big wave of people and like it, it it brought in like this this emo rap as as it's called mm-hmm. um and it, it became popularized and very important um as like a, a a swing in the right direction i guess for rap music and that's just my opinion mm-hmm. um i grew up around rap music my my mom listened to people like biggie and tupac and missy elliott and people like that so like i always grew up around rap music and it always sounded like it was a contest to see who was tougher and mm-hmm. now it seems more like you can you can show off how badass you are but you can also show off that like you you feel emotions mm-hmm. you know what i mean yes and like even like i don't know the, the, there there's there's of course still people that are like fucking puffing out their chest and being like I, I got like I got shooters. Watch out. <laughs> See, very quickly touching on another artist that I feel like kind of hits actually both of that is X because oh, he has I- this very strong like come at me like I'm the big bad dog. But then you also can go into his music, who at the time when he blew up from Look at Me, um, everybody portrayed him as this like kind of asshole, big tough guy. You know, especially because of that fucking controversy he had going around him. Like- yes. And then you kind of go back and you look a little bit deeper into his music and you find things like I spoke to the devil in Miami or like Vice, all these different city or all these different songs. And like, you're like, okay, he can kind of have both these sides, this big, bad, like rough side and this more like raw, emotional kind of side. And I think that's cool. Really cool. when artists can kind of have those two sides. Yeah. And like even Lil Peep had his uh, fair share of, tough guy songs and his fair share of I fucked your bitch songs and <laughs> he he in between those had you know showed his emotion like yes vulnerability mm-hmm. and like his death as I was I was really fucking torn up about it I mean but his death really brought about new depth to what his songs were Yep. I mean that that brings about uh, brings about one issue that has grown 
in the rap community, and that is like there's a much harder emphasis on harder drugs now. Like before, it was like, oh yeah, we smoke pot, ha ha ha, you know, like Snoop Dogg, fucking, fucking uh, Puff Daddy, fucking Biggie, shit like that, like like people like that, like. They were all about, like, smoking weed, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, they sold crack, but they smoked weed. But now it's like, I got lean in my cup, and I'm going to throw Xanax and cocaine on top of that. Yeah. It, it brings about, like, a very, a very fucked, you know, role that they have. I mean, on top, like, besides, like, being an emotional role model, you're, you're bringing all these these vulnerable people into this space where, like, you're using drugs to get by, and then, like, they can take from that what they will, but more than likely or not, like, more likely than not, they're going to throw themselves into that. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's something, and then bringing up another artist, like Lil Xan, who kind of pushed more on that, like, don't do this type of thing. Um, Which, I mean, okay, so that was, I mean, okay, I love Lil Xan, okay? I love his music. I love him. He's adorable. But he says he's very anti-drugs, but you go and you listen to his music. Oh, yeah, no doubt. What the fuck? Like, how can you say you're about one thing and then... (laughs) Be talk about another. Look at look at the song Slingshot. Okay, he says he ain't on no fuck shit. He doesn't fuck with Zans or whatever. And he says right off the bat that he loves drugs. He loves being which is Adderall. Like <laughs> you quit Xanax, but you're doing all this other shit. Like, come on. Yeah. Like no, definitely, I completely agree. I think. And this is, like, my, like, the mom and me coming out. Like, I feel like a lot of rappers, like you said, like, especially these more raw emotional ones, are hitting more on these, you know, kind of sad youth or, you know, people who are kind of looking for someone or something to relate to when they come to these songs. Because, hey, this person's rapping, singing, whatever about something that I can relate to, something that I can feel for. And then they're like, hey, like, I'm sad, so I'm gonna go blank, 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 like, do this or that. And I feel like, like you said, a lot of people, you take what you will from it, but when you're down and in a spot, you're gonna be like, oh, shit, so this is cool now, so, like, let me go try this, or maybe this isn't such a bad idea because this person is doing it, and they're fine. Like, I feel like a lot more people, and I mean, especially with things like Lil Peep's death, like, he died from, you know, like, drugs, like, and it's it's an awful thing, but at the same time, like, you want to say, like, well, stop talking about it, you know? Like, if it's such a bad thing and, you know, you're like, oh, don't do this or this is bad, people are dying from this, but in every song you're saying, like, oh, this is awesome shit, like, let's go do this. Like, I feel like it's very contradictory. And I love everybody in, I love everybody in Goth Boy Click. Like, I love all those artists. I love Fat Nick. I love, I love them. But mm. they 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 were all mourning his death so much. They were all very angry about who the fuck sold him the laced Xanax, yet they still fucking pop pills and do lean. 
Yeah, that's kind of my thing. Like, saw how it led your friend to his own fucking death, yet here you are still going about it. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, it's just so, like, it's mind-blowing. But, yeah, back, back on the topic of, like, this being sold to, like, sad teens, mostly, it's, like, and I'm not saying everybody who's depressed is stupid. Yeah, no, not, exactly. Everybody who listens to this music is just going to be like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go snort a line of coke now. <laughs> but I'm just saying that they're, they're hitting, like, and I don't even think they mean to. Yeah, I don't think they're they're doing these things with ill intent. Yeah, they're doing it like they 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 they're they're hitting such a vulnerable group of people, and it's like it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that this is still a prevalent theme when one of their own community members fucking died from it. Like, mm-hmm. and still after and before that, like, yep. it's insane. And it, it's still like an ongoing thing. There are people who die every day from overdosing or people who die from accidental overdose like I mean like Lil Peep it was should he have been doing it no but the drug by itself probably wouldn't have killed him it's the fact that it was laced but I mean with you know with addiction with anything like that and obviously addiction is something that a lot of people struggle with and like I understand like, if you're addicted, you're addicted, but you can get help, is my point. And I feel like a lot of people just kind of think, oh, well, I'll be okay, and never really think, like, dude, he died. Like, I need to fucking clean up my act. Yeah, and, and, and they, they, they pander to this, and it's just so ridiculous. Like, they'll continue to feed into this. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's these people who you know, throw... They throw their emotions out there when they are actually feeling them to pander to a demographic as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's also a harmful and toxic thing that's in the, the rap community. There's these people who are, fa- like, fake depressed, like, because it's the cool thing now to be sad. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, I mean, that's honestly what I thought of X for a while. Mm-hmm. Because I mean that was he he released his fucking Jocelyn Flores album uh, mm-hmm. around the time that Peep was gaining popularity and his emotional music was all the rage, and that gave him a platform that I thought he was like acting sad, you know. Mm-hmm like pandering to that demographic but like i mean of course i mean i noticed that he wasn't but i it, it brought to my attention how many artists are mm-hmm. and, and i can't even call them by name because i mean i i don't fucking remember their names but yeah it, it's not like it's a uncommon theme it's it's so like and they're, they're like they're they're like fucking oh um i got so much ice on my wrist covering my cuts blah blah <laughs> like, shit like that like dude you had no fucking reason to put that in there like what yeah point you're trying to make like See, i'm sad but i still <laughs> have a lot of money my girlfriend yeah. and my cat died but i still got a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> see now one of the artists and i know you're not very big on them but an artist that i truly love is macklemore and 
the reason that I love him is he made a song called The Other Side, and there was another song that went hand in hand with it. And at the moment, my my uh, my brain's not going to remember the name of the song, but he throughout his life had struggled with uh, addiction to alcohol and stuff like that. And he talks about in the song that like people are bullshitting, like smoking weed, having addiction, all this other shit. And he's like, dude, you haven't even like dealt like you haven't even done this shit but you're rapping about it to stay cool like and i think that's like that was one of like the realest fucking things he's ever said because it was so like honest you know i think his realest song was thrift shop (laughs) oh yeah for sure okay but in all seriousness yeah i mean and and macklemore i'd prefer him over g easy any day prefer a dead cat over Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, like what, no tea, what? no shade. Jesus, it's so easy to <laughs> truth. It's like a fucking pop rapper. It's not even funny. He acts so hard. See, but, that's that's a good example of somebody who is yeah. blown up, and somebody who you know you talk to like a, a younger generation, a younger demographic, and you're like, oh, Jeezy. People are gonna be like, oh yeah, I know who that is. But then you're like okay, like, so here's a prime example of somebody who has gotten somewhere in their career with, like, some, and I mean, obviously, you don't know everybody personally, you don't know everybody's real story, but you can go off of, I mean, I guess, like, clues, hints, things in their life. You can take an assumption that if they're saying, I have so much ice, it covers my cuts, they're fucking lying. Yeah, like, it's just, it's sad that people... Especially, like, in, and I mean, in that whole kind of demographic, and obviously it happens everywhere, you know, in all types of music, but that this is kind of the music that's really starting to blow up right now is this, this kind of rap. One second. Hold on. I'll be back. Yep. All right. Hey. <laughs> hey, welcome back. Thanks. Sorry. I had to, my brother was trying to feed me a fake cheeseburger from his storybook. <laughs> Oh, well, we all need a little bit of a fake cheeseburger. Every right. A little bit Less of fake calorie. cheeseburger in your life. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but where were we? Uh, rappers rapping about fake shit. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, we were talking about how Jeezy is, a, yep. uh, you know, was a good example of how fake rappers can be. He says he's so about that life, yet you can, you can tell that he is definitely not. Yeah. And 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 again, like I said, there's like crowd pandering, and it's it's honestly very ridiculous. And yeah, I think just people need to rap about what's real to them, not. And I mean, you get it. You get these labels. You get these companies and stuff who are like, oh, we need to keep with the times, keep with you know what's what's popular. But I think. A lot of times, if people would just stop and rap about what's real to them, it would become what's popular, you know? I think a lot of times one person starts it and it becomes a thing. And because one song blows up about it, everybody else is like, oh, this is what's hip now. This is what we have to do. And I think that's just something that doesn't need to be a thing. It feeds into toxic minds. Yes. Like, you shouldn't have to be this way. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you, you should be able to talk about what you want to talk about and not have to, like, worry about it not being popular enough. Like, 
you know, just just be able to be you. And I feel like rap is like one of the hardest places to do that. Like, uh, let's let's talk about you know gay people in rap and how they're represented. Notoriously, uh-huh. throughout rap's history, gay people were not accepted, and you know, one exception to that rule was Frank Ocean. (laughs) And that was only because he didn't come out until after he already blew up and nobody gave a shit. Exactly, yep. But, I mean, such an an uninclusive zone, which I feel like is is now changing, but, like, people, like, uh, I don't know how far you are into, like, interviews and pop culture, stuff like that, but um academics and stuff like people like that on the on i forget what their fucking show's called but he, they're total pricks to all these like they call fruity rappers like rappers that show like a like a like a fucking more feminine or the like gay or like something side to them you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it, it feels like it's such a hostile environment when you could like touch into a whole like untapped market Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it just feels it feels like there's not enough representation, which is like, why. And how? And, and this is really fucking depressing. Cupcake is the gay rap icon. Mm-hmm. And I I fucking hate that. <laughs> yeah. I see there are people like like Cupcake. I mean, her as an artist. I mean, she loves what she's doing. More power to her for what she's doing. But the thing is, is her music isn't something that you're like oh my god, like, the sentiment put into this is so, like, strong. Like, I can no, feel where they're is, coming from. Like, She's playing the same role that male rappers play on an opposite part of the spectrum. Exactly. Like, she's talking about guys like they're objects. Like, women, like, men talk about women like they're objects. Like, mm-hmm. if she fucking had a music video, I bet she'd have, like, 30 different fucking dudes twerking on it. Mm-hmm. And, like, Fucking more power to that. There should be more inclusion like that. Like, if fucking men can over-sexualize women in rap music, fucking let her do it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. She's she's enjoying, she's having fun, you know, whatever. Like, let her do her. But, like, at the same time, like, that's so sad. And, I mean, I'll be the first to say I like her. Now, I like her not because, like, like her. not because her music is so sentimental, but I like her personality. She seems like a sweet, fun, like, fuck it kind of girl. Yeah, she's inclusive. She speak like even even like, she speaks on gay topics in the only way that she fucking could. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and, and it's sad that that's the only representation we have. I mean, minus Frank Ocean, because mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, nobody kind of gives a shit. It's just kind of pushed aside. Like, oh, whatever. He's like gay. Yeah, like, I don't care. Like, he doesn't do a lot of like stuff, especially like focused on it. Or when people think Frank Ocean, they're like, oh, right, he's the gay guy. You know. Yeah, I mean, okay, then here, how about the, I know you don't like Tyler Creator, but did you hear about the whole controversy with him that people thought he was gay? No. But that, that shouldn't have spurred such a huge controversy because it shouldn't be that big of a deal if a rapper is gay. Yeah. I, I mean, like, yeah, continue, sorry. No, no, go for it because mine's kind of a, a side topic. I, I mean, like, I know he's a big artist and all, and I know who his matters, but 
whether he's he likes dick or not shouldn't really, you know, be a determining factor for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like a lot of like you said, like the quote unquote like fruity rappers, I feel like a lot of that still has to play in with the like the stereotype of rap being kind of like this hard, you know, like bumping music when it like oh, like I said, like a lot of like the new up and coming artists or kind of like these underground artists are a lot softer. So I feel like a lot of times the gay or like softer, kind of more feminine rappers aren't being taken seriously because they're not hitting that kind of like hard you know type of stereotype that they're looking for in a lot of like labels or just the genre in general little okay this is bring bring it back to little peep he was he was bisexual mm-hmm. and he still played that hard persona but nobody talked about the fact that he was bisexual people mm-hmm. only focused on the straight parts of his life mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know this this brings me to and i fucking hate to mention this but fucking young thug proved that you can look like a fucking girl and still be hard as fuck mm-hmm. like he fucking dressed in chanel like 95 percent of the time and he still fucking was out hooding everybody else yeah but i feel like a lot of times it's your outward look your outward just like your first personality. Oh, sorry, cast out the hardest. Yeah, exactly. And like when people look at you, and if you don't look like that big badass kind of rap god, people are gonna be like, "Oh, like fuck him! Like he can't do it." You know? I feel like you to first get picked up, unless you have something that blows up, like an underground song or something that blows up. It's hard to get picked up if you don't look the the quote unquote type. You know, it, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's bring it on to like another topic. Um, I thought someone was running through my yard for a second. Sorry. Well, that was weird. Uh, yeah. I, I honestly thought I saw someone uh, just bolting it across my yard. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first. But you know, uh, let's talk about experimentation within the like rap community and how I how how familiar are you with Death Grips? Not very. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, when when you get a chance, and 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 same with everybody who's listening. No, I've heard some of their music because of you. And you've sent me certain things, and I have heard them, so I do have a idea of them. I just couldn't tell you. I couldn't name off ten songs by them or anything like that. Is kind of where I'm at with them. Yeah, but they paved the way for such an, a weird sound. Mm-hmm. In rap, how do you think that the sound in rap is is evolving and changing? Obviously, you've you've listened to rap before. I mean, like before, you know, the re- like twenty sixteen. Oh, you know, yeah. I think I don't know. I think a lot of before was kind of more like fucking bitches and hoes. It was very like diminutive to- towards women, and I think like, and I mean, obviously, you still have it now. But I think as, like, the music and, like, the time is kind of evolving, you're definitely, like we said before, kind of getting the more soft side and kind of getting where people aren't having to puff their chest out as hard and people are trying to experiment yeah, a little uh, bit more, like with Death Grips. I mean, their music, if you turn them on, like, they sound 
you know, you could pick them out of a lineup of ten different bands. You know, yeah, they sound, you can they pick sound them out. weird. And they sound all over the place. Like, yeah, they're very different. So, they're very kind of like this is what I want to do, so I'm going to do it. And I really, really, really appreciate that in an artist, somebody who's just, I like how I sound, so I'm going to sound like that. Like that's so fucking cool when an artist has the balls to just do what they love. Yeah, and I, I feel like that that is um definitely explored more nowadays uh there it's not the typical 808s and snares and such that you normally hear like there's fucking indie samples like a new a new style that came out in like around 2016 fucking uh, cloud rap and lo-fi rap um they really you can put it really changed the way that rap sounded so you can distinguish artists now mm-hmm. and it doesn't just sound like every song is just like a Lil Wayne song or every <laughs> song is just like a fucking uh, young thug song or mm-hmm. I mean of course like a lot of mainstream rap is still on that wave but like a lot of stuff that's on the come up especially from places like SoundCloud mm-hmm. um, they really fucking set the bar for how their beats sound mm-hmm. uh they're very different like they, they 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 use jazz samples or you know fucking samples from uh I, th- I think i heard one that was a sample from fucking uh shameless i forgot <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so cool that that's that's a thing now like i think one of the the very like popular artist that is going on right now that is kind of like uh, a little bit different and kind of running a bit of their own game is like Post Malone. Because, yeah, he's very mainstream, but he's also kind of adding in a little bit different sounds than we would usually hear in like kind of the rap game. And I think that's kind of neat that someone who is a little bit different is kind of blowing up and someone who even like looks kind of like quote unquote not the part, you know, kind of has this kind of friendly. He's a fucking dad, dad look. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's such like a friendly dude to everybody. Yeah, and I think it's neat that somebody who kind of doesn't look the quote-unquote part is kind of, their sound is a little bit different. It's a little bit like singing, rap, you know, kind of mixed together, kind of, you know. It's just different than, you know, kind of the stereotypical rap music. And I think it's neat that somebody who is a little bit different is kind of blowing up a lot more. And you hear him on the radio all the time and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I just think it's it's cool that you can see as time goes on, kind of like time and music evolving. You know, you know what's you know what's really interesting? Hmm. The fact that he wanted to be a part of Icy Stars. <laughs> I would have loved that. He fucking he auditioned to be their singer. I would have loved that more than anything. I fucking would have too, and he—he's supposed to—he was supposed to be on uh, the Warp Tour this year. It was rumored anyway, with Sworn In. He was supposed to be a guest vocalist. I, I would, actually, I would love. I, I honestly, I want to see that happen. I would buy a ticket just for that. Yeah, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. That brings me on to another topic outside of the rap realm. Uh. What are your thoughts on the final Vans Warp Tour? Um, I don't know if I have the the best opinion. Um, just for the fact that 
I've kind of, I don't want to say like grown up, but I've, I've gotten out of that music genre or kind of like the stereotypic warp tour music genre. So I guess it's not as hard hitting to me as maybe somebody else who's really into that music. I have gone to warp tour once. Um, and I mean, I liked it, but I think the problem is you think of like concerts, festivals, stuff like that. And a lot of people like you say warp tour, people are like, Oh yeah, warp tour. Like I know what that is. And for something that huge to kind of be going down, I think it's just really sad, um, especially since Warp Tour, you know, you go and you go to like the booth tents and stuff like that. And I mean, you have all of these like small artists like walking up to you like, hey, like you want to listen to my EP, like stuff like that. Like, it's cool to have a community where no matter how big or small you are, you can share what you love and like share your own music and share your love of somebody else's music and like I said, something like that closing down is like just sad to have like that big of an outlet drop. Yeah, it, it's such a it was such like a big thing to like discover new bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I've discovered a lot of bands I didn't think I was even gonna like. Like, fucking Attila, I fucking hated them when I first heard of the, heard them at Warp Tour, but I fucking eventually got into them. I would have never heard of them otherwise. Yeah, like, I know exactly. And it's insane that that like you said that outlet's gonna be gone soon. Like, but you know, rumor has it, uh, Chris Franzak from Attila supposedly starting the Stay Sick tour, which is gonna be similar. Yeah, I hope I hope something like that happens. Yeah, I, I, me me too. Cause I I feel like a, a a a fucking festival like that needs to stay around because all those kinds of pop punk bands and fucking alternative rappers and shit need that outlet to showcase their music because they're not going to be on like fucking Ozfest or like Rock USA or like shit like that like they're I mean exactly there's like I mean all of their festivals aren't as accepting to little bands yeah they're all already like big established bands like Mm -hmm. Fucking uh, even even places like fucking Coachella are all fucking just big bands. Except for the Walmart yodeler. Yeah. Yes. Like, I mean, and 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 side note, uh, best wishes to him. I I mean, I'm I'm depressed that that happened, but. Oh, what happened? I don't even know what happened. He, he fucking. Well, no, no. I was talking about him going on Coachella. I'm really depressed oh. that he went there. But... Oh. Okay. I felt like he got in a car crash somewhere. I was like, oh my no, god. No, 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 no. He's fine. I'm but like, oh like, my kidding. I'm like, does this kid get hurt? Like, oh my god. No, no, no. He's fine. It's just I'm I'm lost as to what <laughs> Oh no, trust me, me too. <laughs> me too. But yeah, uh, you know, I think I'm gonna finally end this podcast. This has been going for I think about two hours. Yeah, around that. <laughs> Hour and forty five, two hours. Yeah, uh thank you for joining me. Kenny, uh, yep. you know, thanks for having me. It'd, it'd be cool for you to come on here again another time. Yep, I'd love to. Would you really? I mean, yeah, wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so you'll hopefully be seeing more of us another time. So this is going to be the end. Uh, see you guys some other time listen to my other podcast that I made or don't actually don't (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't that bad don't be so hard on yourself but yeah so 
See you guys later on another podcast. Have fun. Live your dreams. Don't die. Don't let the world change your smile. Let your smile change the world. Amazon support guy. (laughs) 2K15, 16. Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye.